Hey everybody, it's me Amanda with Once in a Wild Wednesday. Welcome back to another Once in a Wild Wednesday. Our company is Once in a Wild and we bring the zoo to you virtually for free on a live stream every single Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. We're located in San Antonio, Texas, so that's why we're on Central Time, of course. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So hello and welcome back to Once in a Wednesday, where we bring the zoo to you virtually through a live stream, which is free of charge every single Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we're happy to see all of you guys that are watching right now. And if you have any questions or comments or words of encouragement, please feel free to leave them in the comment section down below as we live stream together. This is always a very interactive event. And we're going to be meeting three beautiful animals today. As usual, we usually bring out about three animals to meet you guys. Sometimes it's a surprise and it's only one animal. Sometimes it's a surprise and it's over three animals. But today we're back to our regular type show, if you will, um, for meeting three animals per show. Um, so we have some really cute ones to meet you guys today and they are absolutely beautiful and you are going to love them. I'm gonna give everybody a few more minutes to start viewing. I see one viewer watching right now. Hopefully there's more than that. <laughs> and thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, please do us a favor and stop what you're doing and subscribe. Make sure to subscribe, like the videos as well as turn the notification bells on as well. And so you don't miss any of the live streams or uploads that we upload. We are working on more video collaboration coming up, which should be a lot of fun. We're actually filming some more of those tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. And uh, make sure to subscribe to all of our collaborative uh, partners, if you will, you can find, um, I believe there's a playlist down below, you can find um, our collaborations on our playlist on YouTube. So check it out. Hello, Nikki. <laughs> Nikki's here. And she says, heck, yeah, let's see some animals. Feel free to ask all the questions and comments that you want to leave for me, Nikki, if you want. Hello, Donna, she's tuning in as well. Love your profile picture today, Donna. And uh, we are actually going to be talking about reptiles today. And before I um, keep going, I want to make sure you guys know all the details of what goes on here. So Once in a Wild is a mobile zoo here in San Antonio, Texas. We can serve with San Antonio as well as surrounding cities and bring the zoo to you in person, whether it be for a special event like your child's birthday party or an office event, which is always a lot of fun for your office parties and get togethers too. Thank you for tagging your friends. Uh, Donna, if you guys want to tag your friend, make sure and do that as well. I really appreciate that. Uh, that way they can know what's going on and the show's on, right? Um, also, you can hire us for classrooms as well. I know that school is almost over, but there's always summer school and summer camps and fun things like that. So if you guys would love maybe like a Boy Scout or Girl Scout um, presentation here in South Texas, I would love to help you out. Or if you have any special event at all, we can honestly bring the animals to any event and make it a little bit better and a little bit more fun, right? So we have all sorts of animals, including mammals, birds, and reptiles, as well as amphibians and creepy crawlies too. There's something for everybody here at Once in a Wild. And if you don't have, um, if you're not anywhere close to us, you don't have the ability to do an in-person animal encounter, you can also hire us for a virtual animal encounter where we can jump on a Zoom meeting and basically bring the zoo to you virtually, just like right now. This is a free live stream, of course, but um, we can actually have a private encounter for you and you can customize and pick the animals if you want to or keep it a surprise. That's always fun. You can let me choose um, eight animals of uh, my choosing or you can choose eight animals that you would like to see 
whether they fit your curriculum for a class or you just want to see specific ones, I do not blame you at all. Um, you can actually pick them if you would like. And you do get to see eight animal species for an hour long Zoom. So those are really fun as well. So those are great ways to support us, um, as well as you can donate via Venmo, Cash App and PayPal. All those links are listed down below. And I believe we have a link on our website as well for all of that too now. Um, Onceinawild.com is where you can find most of our information, right? Including all of our uh, what we what we offer at once in a while in general, right? And our merch as well as what we do, who we are. My name is Amanda Winter. I'm the owner and founder and animal specialist here at Once in a Wild. I've been a zoologist for a while now and a zookeeper, animal trainer and animal person in general for over 18 years. Um, so I would be the person helping you out most of the time with the animal programming. Anyway, so that's enough about Once in a Wild. Let's go ahead and get started with today's program. We're actually going to be talking about reptiles today. If you know me for five minutes, you'll know that I love reptiles reptiles. And if you are, you know, uh, getting to know me whatsoever, you'll know that they're some of my favorite animals. Reptiles are very misunderstood and actually pretty lovable animals, believe it or not. And a lot of people even want reptiles for pets. <laughs> now, I don't uh, necessarily condone having everybody have a reptile for a pet because they may not be the best pet for you or your family and pets are certainly not toys they're not just for kids they're not uh just like an impulse buy they shouldn't be right uh, we want to make sure that they are a family member and they are well taken care of and they have the best care that they can have so it's always important no matter if you're adopting a dog or cat uh, a snake or a lizard or a bird or anything at all fish um, it's always important to do all the proper research before you adopt that animal right um you should should know how to take care of them. You should know what to feed them. You should know where to house them if they're appropriate for your home and if you have space for them and if they're going to thrive in your care. That's the most important part, right? We don't just get animals to have as like an accessory or a toy or just because we want them, right? Um, I appreciate you guys that love animals and you want them in your lives, but it's always responsible to do your research prior to doing so. And that's also something that we specialize here specialize in here at Once in a Wild is helping you out with your animal and pet care at home, even cats and dogs and all sorts of pets that are domesticated. But today I thought I would talk about a very, very, very popular um, subject and also something I've been asked a lot. And that is which reptiles make the best pets. And there are three that I brought today three that actually I recommend over all the rest of the reptiles. And you might be wondering what they are, right? So I'm going to go in order of the third best, in my opinion, to the second best, to the first best pet reptile for um, basically kind of beginners. I wouldn't necessarily condone a child getting this animal by themselves, but for a family, these animals would work out just fine, in my opinion. Um, all three of these reptiles are pretty well available, and there's lots of information on how to care for them, which is partially why I select them because it's really important for somebody, especially if it's their first pet reptile or first reptile that they're taking care of at all, that there be plenty of information out there and sources to make sure that you can research even without me helping you. And if there's something that you need to know, you can look it up on the internet or ask somebody else or ask me and the information is there. These three animals have been in the care of humans a long time and we know a lot about their care and we're always learning and improving their care. And also all three of these are pretty, easily handled and docile and ne don't necessarily bite. They all have mouths so they can, <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but they all are easy to feed, easy to care for in general, at least somewhat easy, right? And I mean, a dog to me isn't that easy, but there's plenty of <laughs> resources and sources to be able to care for a dog, right? That's what I mean. Um, so all three of these are not inclined to bite, although they can, of course, but that's any animal. But uh, and if you don't want an animal that bites, then <laughs> consider maybe not having an animal at all, because it's always a possibility. But 
I, I di digress. <laughs> um, but uh, all these three I have recommended are, like I said, the care is, uh, you know, it's been going on for a while. There's lots of sources and resources to research and know about and whatnot. And uh, three, all three of these are also pretty common, like I said, and you can probably get them pretty easily as well. All three of these are easily, um, to, in my opinion, you can probably easily find some that are um, needing to be adopted instead of just shopping for them. So you might even be able to get some of these for no charge or very little money as well. So anyway, I digress. Um, we are going to be talking about three reptiles, like I said. Thank you, Donna for tagging all of your friends that may want to watch this live stream today and all of our live streams. Thank you so very much. If any of you out there have any other uh, animal loving friends and family that you want to tag, that is very much appreciated. And if you want to ask any questions or leave me a comment down below, please feel free to do so. So this is going to be the third best pet reptile in my opinion. Let's, let's go ahead and bring him out. They're extremely well known in the pet trade, in animal care in general. He's an animal ambassador here at Once in a Wild. He's also a therapy animal. He's also a very popular <laughs> animal to be held and photos taken with him and he's extremely famous. So this is Eddie the Bearded Dragon. <laughs> so yes, Bearded Dragons, I think, for the right family can make decent pet reptiles. Again, we always do our research. We always wanna take the best care of them that we possibly can. We always wanna have like a vet in mind in case you need to take them to the vet. I also recommend, especially if it's your first pet reptile or your first pet whatever, that you take them for a wellness exam um, at least once, <laughs> but if not like at least every other year for an exotic, maybe every year. So depending on what your vet recommends and what the plan of action is for that particular reptile. Um, so if you have a, a pet anything, you'll want to have a vet on hand that is actually an experienced vet with exotic animals like lizards and etc. So this is a bearded dragon. Uh, Eddie is actually a rescue bearded dragon. And it's pretty common that these guys end up as pets. And maybe somebody doesn't want them anymore, or they don't know how to take care of them properly, or they escape. So what happened with Eddie, just so you know what happened with him, if you guys didn't know, uh, Eddie was actually found by, well, somebody's neighbor that I know. And so the, the woman that I know, I actually know her from San Antonio Sioux. She's one of the reptile keepers out there. She's wonderful. And she has a neighbor, I believe it's her neighbor, who found Eddie on the porch. And I don't know if it was the back porch or the front porch, but I saw the photo and he was just sitting on the porch, um, lost. <laughs> and of course, bearded dragons are not from Texas, where we're from. It happened here in San Antonio. Uh, bearded dragons are actually uh, native to Australia. So they are definitely not found here in Texas whatsoever. They cannot survive the cold winters that we have. So he would not have done very well if left outdoors through all those seasonal changes, especially the last winter we had. My goodness, he definitely would have, wouldn't have made it. Plus, they're not really native here, so they can potentially cause damage as an invasive species and things like that. It's not likely with one bearded dragon that he would become a problem or anything like that, but he definitely wouldn't be able to find food very readily, even though they are omnivores and they're very opportunistic, but he just doesn't belong in this climate and he may not know what he's doing. And for sure, for sure, he was somebody's pet or something before he ended up in the neighborhood running around amok. Um, so we think that either Number one, either he escaped somehow, which I guess could happen if he were roaming around somebody's house and they left the door open or something like that. Or maybe it was a child's pet and they had him in the yard and he just left. Maybe they were holding him in the yard and he decided to jump down like he's jumping down right now. <laughs> Eddie is a very active bearded dragon. So I could definitely see him scurrying off. Um, maybe those people didn't know how to ask for help. I mean, who knows, right? He could have been 
somebody's bearded dragon that was passing through. Um, and so maybe they're not even from around here. And anyway, but um, or the second um, possibility, and I'm sure there's many possibilities that could have happened to him. He can't tell us what happened. I wish he could. Um, but it, the second scenario I can think of is maybe somebody got tired of him and let him free, which is extremely irresponsible. So no matter which type of pet reptile you end up choosing for yourself, if any, and maybe we'll convince you guys that maybe a pet reptile isn't for you today, because <laughs> um, they take a lot of work even as a reptile, not as much as a cat or a dog, but still a lot of work and they're very specialized. So if somebody has a bearded dragon and doesn't want them anymore, sometimes they set them free and that's extremely irresponsible. So never ever do that. If you ever end up with any pet of any sort and you decide that they're not for you and you can't take care of them or for some reason, always, always, always try to find them a home. We want to find them a good home um, that the, you know somebody knows what they're doing, right? So they don't end up in the same situation. And that is the responsible thing to do. It's actually not that hard to find somebody to adopt your unwanted pet. So, and I know life happens and sometimes you have to do those hard things. You have to make those hard decisions in order to um, you know, do what's right for your animal, right? That's what that's what it's all about and what's very, very important. But Eddie nonetheless was found roaming around a neighborhood in San Antonio, where we live, right? And that definitely wasn't his home. I mean, he probably belonged in somebody's home living in a habitat inside, not roaming around a neighborhood where it's unsafe for him. So he ended up being picked up by a good Samaritan, like I said, and ended up with um, my friend from San Antonio Zoo. And she actually noticed that we were looking for a bearded dragon at the time and offered him to us. And we ended up adopting him, as you can see. Now, before we did so, we actually did a test on him. And I don't mean like a school test, we didn't make him take a, a, a sit down written test. <laughs> um, Eddie actually um, went through what we call, well, what is it called? It's a test for adenovirus. That's just what we did. So we had to test him for a very, um, unfortunately, not so common, but can be common and can affect some bearded dragons. Um, bearded dragons are susceptible, at least, let's just say that. They're susceptible to a virus called adenovirus, with their, which there are many strains of adenovirus, which, which affect animals and humans too. Um, however, there's a strain of adenovirus which affects bearded dragons. So since he was going to come and live with us, where potentially we may have bearded dragons in the future, uh, additionally, or we of course are a very hands-on type company. We're an outreach company. We bring uh, Eddie around to many, many programs where he is uh, touched by audiences and they get to feel how he feels. Sometimes people can hold him in their laps or like in their hands. So we wanted to to make sure he wasn't sick, right? Because unfortunately, the adenovirus that these guys can carry and contract um, is extremely, uh, they can give it, it's extremely, uh, what's the word? Guys, I can't think of my words today. Um, it's extremely uh, uh, common for them to pass it on to other bearded dragons. So say if somebody else had a bearded dragon pet, and they went to touch or pet Eddie, they could actually give it to their bearded dragon too. So we wanted to make sure he didn't have that first. So luckily he was negative for the adenovirus, hooray. And we were able to adopt him safely into our collection and he could be a wonderful animal ambassador. As you can see, he's a very active bearded dragon too. Very, very healthy. A lot of bearded dragons are a little overweight sometimes or they're just not very active. They have like, you know, metabolic bone disease and all sorts of things can affect them. That is actually the only reason I would discourage somebody um, from getting a bearded dragon is they're actually susceptible to different diseases and ailments, unfortunately. So, but if you do everything correctly and you have a healthy bearded dragon, you should be good to go as long as you take care of them. So bearded dragons are susceptible to a few things. Adenovirus is one thing which they get from other bearded dragons. So it's really important never, ever, ever 
never ever to keep bearded dragons together because if one has it and you don't know it, they could be giving it to all the rest of your bearded dragons that live with them. Also bearded dragons really don't belong living together in a small space. They can um, live in a great big giant habitat out in nature, um, but they have a lot of space. And typically their habitat is going to be a territory with one male and lots of girlfriends in the same territory. And they will chase away and fight other males almost to the death sometimes. Um, so it's really important to keep them singly all by themselves. That's what they prefer anyway. And most reptiles are like that. So it's actually a little easier. They don't really crave that affection from another bearded dragon or anything like that. He likes to have his own space, especially Eddie. Eddie is very sassy if he sees other lizards, so we don't keep any other lizards with him. But it's also important for cross-contamination prevention. Um, so if you have an animal that's sick with anything and you have them together, you're just asking for two or three or four sick animals, right? Um, so adenovirus is one thing they can get from other bearded dragons, so it's really, really, really important. Um, once you find your exotic vet, to have them tested for adenovirus. And it's a very painless and easy test. They just do a little swab on his hind end. Yep, they did, they just swab on your hind end. And then they send it off to a lab and they say positive or negative. And it's as easy as that. Um, and you will know then. And if they do have it, unfortunately there's no cure, but they may just be a carrier that just has it and they may never have symptoms. You might have still a healthy animal for the rest of their life, right? but at least you'll know and you won't get any other bearded dragons and you'll know to never let people like hold them and touch them that aren't your family and things like that. So that's just the responsible thing to do is if you adopt a bearded dragon, no matter if it's a baby, an adult, anything in between, it's always important to get them tested. That's very, very important. Another thing that they're susceptible to is metabolic bone disease or MBD. That is something that they can get and it's extremely common with these guys when they don't have the proper lighting and they don't have the proper vitamins and minerals or diet. That is basically a lack of calcium and causes their bones to become very soft and in different shapes that they shouldn't be. And it causes them to be extremely less active. As you can see, he no, meta, no MBD for him. He's crazy active. He's a very healthy bearded dragon and a good body weight as well. He's very, very healthy. Um, but a lot of them are uh, obese, fat, <laughs> or they have MBD, and that causes them to have a lot less exercise and become even more obese, have, you know, less muscle, what do you call it? You know, where your muscles kind of atrophy and things like that. All of that can happen with bearded dragons, unfortunately, when they're not cared for properly. So if you are adopting a bearded dragon from another source, you want to make sure and take them to that vet and get all of the good um, advice that you can on diet and vitamins and what you should be doing for them, lighting, all of that. So when you set up your bearded dragon, that's another task. <laughs> um, they do need a very, very high quality ultraviolet light. Um, there are many that I recommend. And if you need specifics on that, feel free to message me anytime. Um, but also you can do your research. So there's plenty of research, uh, well, sources out there that you can learn about reptile lighting, but they do need very, very strong ultraviolet light. This is a diurnal species, which means they're out in the daytime basking in the sun. Natural sun is best and it does not count if it's coming through a window. <laughs> yeah, taking them outside for a little bit of sun is good, but in their habitat too, they absolutely do need an ultraviolet light as well to bask under during the day. 
And during the day as well, they also need a heat lamp and that needs to be the appropriate temperature. Now, a lot of people ask me, what's the appropriate temperature for a bearded dragon? It honestly depends. It depends on how big the habitat is that you're keeping them in. So for specifics, it's always important to look it up. You might even need to change your bulbs seasonally, <laughs> the, the heat bulb, I mean, um, in order to accommodate summertime, wintertime, et cetera, because typically in the summertime in your house, it's probably gonna be warmer. Also, if you live in Florida or Texas, Louisiana, California, it's not as cold as it is in Utah, Iowa, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? So it all depends. So again, it's really important to look to look it up and do your research to see what your veterinarian or animal expert that you know recommends before you set it all up. Um, also, they need they need um, what you call it appropriate substrate. And that goes for all animals, right? And all reptiles, especially. Certain substrates are safe for bearded dragons to be on, but um, other things work too as, as far as their flooring. You can use tiles or um, slate rocks, all sorts of things. You can use a variety of things. That's what I do. And uh, again, it's just important to do your research. But we don't want to keep them on something that they could eat and swallow and get impacted and things like that. And we don't wanna be keeping them on to something too dusty, like super dusty sand. Never ever use calcium sand for any animal. It's it's not good for anybody. Um, so again, it's important to do your, all your research. So these guys do have a lot of special needs, but when all of their needs are met and you have a healthy bearded dragon that's on the right diet, that's another thing you have to look up is diet. Uh, these guys are omnivores. So they need a salad with all sorts of different types of vegetables, including healthy greens, as well as, um, veggies on top as well that you have to finally chop for them. Eddie here gets a salad about two or three times a week. I typically leave it in, in there a couple of days as well so he can snack on it. Um, I typically also put either live or um, dried bugs or worms on top so it encourages him to eat a little better. And every time he gets a salad, he also gets a calcium supplement and once a week he gets multivitamin, vitamin. So I know there's a lot to know but it's really important for me to at least give you the brief um, overrun of what these guys need before you just go adopt one on impulse from a pet store or something like that, right? Those pet store ones, you never know what they can have um, because they're kept with multiple animals most of the time. So again, it's really important to get them vet checked and checked for that adenovirus too. But also, not only does he get a salad with fruits and vegetables and worms and bugs on top, he also gets live bugs about three times a week as well. Those can include super worms, crickets, dubia roaches, all sorts of good bugs, sometimes wax worms and things. His favorites are really any of the bugs that I listed. He loves to eat. He's a good eater. He's a healthy weight as well. Even with all that eating, we don't overfeed him. We don't want him to get fat. They can be susceptible to all sorts of problems if they get too fat and he is not fat. Isn't he cool? So the good things about bearded dragons, I've listed all the all the challenges with them, their housing, their feeding, their substrate, um, the diseases and problems that they're susceptible to. That's really good to know about though, right? They're a lot of work. But honestly, once all of that is, you know, put in place for them and done for them, it'll become routine to you. It's not a big deal once it's set in place. And once all of that is set, they actually do very, very well in the care of humans. They don't seem to be a stressed out type animal um, in the care of humans. Some, some wild type animals tend to not do as well as like a bearded dragon or some others, right? But, um, and they're also very docile for handling and they're very, very good calm animals that aren't really prone to bite. Um, they can bite, they do have a big mouth full of teeth. So it's not like an impossibility, but it's super rare that you'll get a bearded dragon that wants to bite you or your children and things like that. And they're perfectly happy being held 
and they're very smart. They can develop a relationship with you. They can be quite cuddly sometimes. Eddie's not the cuddliest bearded dragon, but I'm okay with it. I actually really like his plucky personality and his activity. That tells me that he's doing good and wants to run around and, and be a wild animal. But as you can see, he's not, <laughs> he's not mean to me or anything like that. He just wants to move around. That's actually very, very good for them to get their exercise. So I do not recommend as well. You'll see a lot of like bearded dragon Instagram videos and TikToks and things and all sorts of YouTube videos with people holding them all day long. I don't necessarily recommend that. I think your reptile can be held, or your bearded dragon, let's just be specific. Your bearded dragon can probably be held for a few hours a day, maximum, but they're great for that. But honestly, like you don't have to hold them every single day. Um, they're not an animal that craves your attention. I know it really feels like it sometimes. And he's giving me the stink eye right now. But I, and I know you guys at home are doing the same thing, but they're they're actually okay to be left alone for a day or so, um, which is kind of a good thing. They're pretty independent. Again, they're not a social animal except for breeding purposes, right? So they're they're pretty good about that, um, but they typically retain their, their um, calm, chill personality, even if you don't hold them for a few days, <laughs> it's okay. But if you want to, and your family is super into them and you wanna be holding them every day, that's okay too. Just make sure they get plenty of time in their habitat to warm up, to thermoregulate. You'll wanna keep your lamps on one side and your water on the other side. There's a lot to know, right? And maybe we'll do, if you guys would like, would you guys like, say yes or no, would you guys like a more thorough bearded dragon care live stream. I would love to do one of those for you. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did a rabbit care video and it was two hours long. It was super long. Hopefully I won't go that long about bearded dragon, but there's a lot to talk about. So maybe I'll do a specific one on bearded dragon sometime. That might be a cool chat to have with you guys and a, and a cool content video as well. I think it would help a lot of people. So maybe I'll do that for you guys soon. But um, these guys, like I said, if you set them up correctly, they need to be in their habitat most of the time. <laughs> so we take Eddie out for programs. He does travel with us to lots and lots of school programs and animal therapy sessions and all sorts of fun things and just fun shows and things where people can meet him. Look at that beautiful face. Uh, he's like, yes, I'm famous and I know I'm handsome. He does know. Um, but he is in his habitat most of the time. And I do hold him maybe three or four times a week maximum. <laughs> uh, he is still the best ever. So it's not really an animal you have to really train that much. Although it's good to be gentle with them, right? We don't want to let little ones hold them and grab them too tightly and play with them like a toy. They're not toys, but they do actually tame down very, very nicely if they're not already puppy dog tame. Let's see what you guys have to say. So many comments. Very, very good. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, thank you. Thank you for checking us out today. And if you want to check us out in the future, we're here every single Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, same place, same time on YouTube and Facebook every single week. Unless there's some reason I'm not, and I'll let you know. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for checking us out today and next time if you do. Cool. Thank you very much, Ricardo. And Ricky as well. <laughs> Let's see what else you guys have to say. I want to make sure and address all your comments and questions here. Are bearded dragons venomous? No, they're not. There are a few um, lizard species that have true venom. Bearded dragons do have saliva. And fun fact, we all have saliva, right? Most animals have some sort of spit or saliva. And saliva does have enzymes in it, no matter who you are. You out there, you have enzymes in your saliva. And your saliva does help to break down food. And that's essentially what venom is in the extreme version of like a snake's venom or a Gila monster, beaded lizard, or Komodo dragon, or even some other monitors are actually considered venomous now. Wow. Um, that is their saliva. 
So we all have a little bit of that, but bearded dragons don't have a significant amount of anything to be considered venomous. So they, if they bite you and you get bit, it's just gonna hurt a little bit, but you're not gonna be envenomated and <laughs> you'll be fine. <laughs> and again, that's super rare for them to be an animal that would want to bite you for defense, unless you are really, really hurting them or mistreating them in some way. And I imagine that they would just try to get away from you before actually biting you, right? Let me see. Contagious? What's contagious? Oh, contagious. That was the word that I was, yeah, it can be contagious or it can cross-contaminate. Yeah, that, thank you. <laughs> I get your comments very late, as you can see. So here is how you can donate on our website. Go to the bottom of our website and click on the yellow button labeled donate to once in a wild. And we even have a Amazon wish list. I actually updated our Amazon wish list. And thanks to everybody that have already donated items and donated period to once in a wild. We greatly appreciate it. And we thank you so very much for your support. Um, every little bit helps. And we are a company that relies on your support 100%. So thank you so very much for watching today, for sharing the videos, for subscribing to YouTube, for following Facebook and following all of us social media, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> a lot of things to say, but I'm very grateful. And um, the Amazon wish list. thank you so much for the items. Uh, Eddie appreciates it and all the animals do as well. <laughs> Don't you, Eddie? <laughs> and you're back. And I know you guys love bearded dragons. You have a bearded dragon as well in your class, I know. So here's the actual donate.onceinawild.com, you guys. Yeah, go to that. If you, if you want to donate, if you can't, that's totally fine. Yes, that's what I just said. And thank you for saying great facts. I always try to do my best. I don't know everything and I'm always learning. And please let me know if you guys out there are experts too and you have any other fun facts or things that you think people should know about bearded dragons. Bearded dragons don't live forever, by the way. They are average going to be living anywhere from 10 to 12, but can live as long as around 15 in human care, only when kept properly but they're very popular pets and I totally understand why. They're wonderful animals for handling and they tend to um, adapt very well in human homes when properly cared for, right? <laughs> you read that bearded dragons can walk on two legs, but they can also sometimes sleep standing up. Is that true? I'm not sure about the sleeping standing up thing. I've never heard that before and I've never seen it. Typically bearded dragons will grab onto a branch or some kind of something and kind of hug it and go to sleep on the branch or whatever they're on. Um, sometimes bearded dragons will lay on the floor of their habitat or on the ground in the wild, I guess, and just sleep like that. Sometimes they'll go underneath something and sleep. It just depends on what they're feeling like, I guess, or what's comfortable that night, just like humans, right? We sleep in different positions too and probably depends on the individual as well um doo -doo 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 -doo. oh and walking on two legs i've never seen a bearded dragon do that not to say that they couldn't do that when running at full speed ahead but typically they run on four legs that's typically what you see at bearded dragons anyway and the animal you may be thinking of is a frilled dragon which is another native lizard in australia which can get running and run on two legs it's really cool and they actually have a big frill it's just like the dilophosaurus in jurassic park but i should say the dilophosaurus is like the frilled lizard because the dilophosaurus there's no proof that they actually have the big frill on the neck that came from inspiration from the frilled lizard in Australia and New Guinea. They're one of my favorite lizards. They're really awesome. So it's kind of like a bearded dragon with a skinnier body, longer tail, and they have a skinnier head and they have those frills that they can flare when they open their mouth. Ah, and those flared frills will look really big and intimidating to predators. But if that doesn't work, they can't actually get running and they can run on two legs and then they'll usually climb up a tree to get away from stuff. They're very, very good at climbing. He's pretty good at climbing too as a bearded dragon goes, but not as good as the frilled dragon.
Yes, 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 yes. Is there a size difference in gen difference <laughs> in genders? Not a very big difference. Definitely not anything near like what the iguana is, like green iguanas and rock iguanas and things. Um, there are other lizards too, like tegus that have a bigger size difference than a bearded dragon. Bearded dragons in general are about the same, male and female. Uh, they do have different features on their body and you can tell the gender when they're a little bit like when they're old enough to tell. Uh, babies, it's really hard to tell unless you're some kind of expert or breeder. I certainly don't know how to gender them as a baby, but as adults, they're actually pretty easy to tell. Um, Personality-wise, they're both great. So if you have a single bearded dragon anyway, and it's male or female, you're sure to have a decent companion. <laughs> they're usually about the same personality-wise. I would say males are a little bit sassier, but not with you, with other lizards, because <laughs> they're they're defensive about their territories and their girlfriends and things. Um, but it's, as far as the size difference, it's not that noticeable to me. I think it's barely a difference. I've seen some really big female bearded dragons that are about the same size. That's adorable. Thank you so very much. Yeah, he is super cute, isn't he? He is so handsome. What about them waving? That's a great question, Nikki. Um, yes, bearded dragons do use body language to communicate, usually with one another. I've never seen a bearded dragon wave at their owner, um, but bearded dragons will actually wave as a peace symbol, a peace sign. <laughs> it's like waving the white flag. So what usually happens with that is, well, there's a couple of different scenarios that a wave would make sense for them, and they really do wave with their arm. Look it up. Um, bearded dragons, like I said, they have their own territory in Australia where they're from, and they'll typically guard their territory from other males, right? The male is in charge of his territory and he lets females come on in. He's like, come on, ladies. And he'll chase away the other males. And how he'll look really intimidating is by standing up very straight with his two arms planted on the ground, um, stick out his beard. His beard might even turn dark black. His body might have black markings too. That usually means like, hey, I am angry at you. Let's fight. Um, and if that other bearded dragon does not want to fight, he will wave, he will do a little wave, say, oops, didn't mean to step into your territory, but I am leaving, and they will leave. If that other bearded dragon does not wanna back down and does wanna fight, he will plant his feet down too, stick out his beard. They might bob their head like this and communicate with each other that they're very mad, and then they might have a little bit of a battle. Hopefully one of them will back down, but that is the typical scenario where they will wave as like a, hey, I don't want to fight today and plant their feet down if they do want to fight. Does that make sense? And also um, females will wave as well as a signal to like, hey, mister, I like you. You can be my boyfriend. So it's kind of like means a few things. It might even mean more things to us, that, to them that we don't know, right? The class pet loves to wave. He does. Oh, my goodness. You are going to have to take a video of that for me and send it to me. I would love that. Well, again, this is our, in my opinion, today we're talking about the best pet reptiles or the best animal companion or class pet reptiles. Um, and there are several, don't get me wrong. I think that these three are, are probably the, the best ones in my opinion, um, because again, there's lots of resources. There's lots of information that you can study and um, get to know. There's lots of um, you know, vets that take care of them and things like that. That's always good. Um, and they're fairly handleable. Most of them don't bind. Um, they're fairly re readily available and things you need for them are fairly available in most stores and things and grocery stores. So that's why we're recommending these three. And he would be like third down the list. And we're going to go up to number one last. Okay. So this is number three, the bearded dragon. And again, this was Eddie, the bearded dragon. Let me know pretty, pretty please. If you guys have any questions whatsoever about lizard care or any animal care, feel free to text me down below my number. 
our number's right down there for you. You can also message us in so many ways on social media or on directly on our website. If you guys need help whatsoever, I'm here for you. That is exactly what I'm here for. So please don't hesitate. I would much rather an animal do well after you ask me questions and I helped you out than for you to be shy and not ask me questions. So I am 100% available for you guys, okay? So if I don't answer right away, just understand I'm busy with other things, but that is exactly my passion. I love to help you guys out with animal care and to answer any questions that you may have about your animals, right? Among many other animal things. So that is Eddie the Bearded Dragon. Mr. Eddie, we're happy to have you in our life and we're glad that you found your way to somebody's front porch that was very nice to you and did the right thing by finding somebody to take care of you. Okay, so thanks, Eddie. He did a great job. That is a bearded dragon. And bear with me while I put him down and put the lid back on his travel enclosure and all those things. We gotta get him secure before we move on to our next animal, right? Because again, he doesn't really care for other other reptiles and lizards, right? So the next um potential pet reptile <laughs> that I sometimes recommend for all you lizard lovers out there. Bearded dragon is typically on the list too. Leopard gecko is also on the list sometimes too. But in my opinion, this lizard coming up next, I'm going to make you guys guess. Let's see if you guys can guess which lizard I recommend the most for a potential animal companion in the right family. Not for everybody, right? with proper research, proper care, I think this next lizard makes an even better pet lizard than a bearded dragon. And to each his own, you might like bearded dragons better or leopard geckos or crested geckos. It's none of those. <laughs> Let's see if you guys can actually guess the next lizard. It is one in our animal collection that you've seen before. Hmm. I'm gonna make you guys guess. It's also Tegu. Tegu is a great guess. It's Tegu with an E. T-E-G-U is how you spell that, <laughs> but you're very close. Um, But that is a great guess. I think tegus make okay pets for the right people. I don't think tegus make good pets for most people though, because tegus are great, They but they require a lot of space and they get very large potentially. Lulu, our Colombian black and white tegu, is not the biggest type of tegu in the world and she's a female, so she's not the best. Um, I'm sorry, so she's not the worst is what I meant to say as far as size goes. She does live in a 200 gallon enclosure. So that's a lot of room. And also tegus are extremely intelligent. Not that bearded dragons are not intelligent and not the next lizard is not intelligent, but tegus need a lot of stimulation, a lot more training than the next potential animal pet, <laughs> a reptile pet. And also um, a little bit, I would say a teeny bit harder to feed and care for and get the proper humidity and lighting and things. This next lizard is really hard to not take care of properly. Let's see what else you guys have to say. Iguana, definitely not an iguana. That is the worst lizard pet in my opinion. <laughs> so green iguanas are, to me make the worst pet lizards on the face of the planet. Uh, there might be worse ones like maybe Komodo dragons. <laughs> but as far as like a more common type pet lizard, iguanas are definitely not a good choice. Leopard gecko I think does make, that would probably be like number four on my list of potential, uh, well, at least for lizards, there's some some other types of reptiles that I recommend over leopard geckos. But for in general, I think leopard geckos make pretty decent um, animal companions for the right family. However, some leopard geckos are a little bit skittish. They can lose their tails easily if you hold them incorrectly. So they're, they're a little bit more fragile than this lizard that's coming up next. So it's something bigger than a leopard gecko. And I guess I'll just go ahead and show you if you want. You're narrowing down all of our lizard choices that you remember, aren't you? <laughs> 
Uh, do they pr produce one egg at a time? No, bearded dragons and many other types of lizards do lay eggs, but they also have multiple eggs at once. I believe bearded dragons can have around a dozen or less. They can have like one sometimes, I'm sure. Um, but typically it is multiples. Chameleon. Chameleon is the second worst pet lizard, in my opinion. Um, chameleons are far more safe <laughs> to handle for you, but for them, chameleons are not safe to handle. They're very fragile. And also chameleons are very, 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 very prone to disease, illnesses, and all sorts of bad things. Um, they need extremely specialized care. They are one of the few type of lizards that if you don't catch their illnesses right away, they can pass away very quickly. Um, they're not really a handling type reptile. They're more of a looking at type reptile unless you're an expert. Um, so no, not a chameleon, although chameleons are my absolute favorite lizards, but they're extremely specialized. Chameleons are kind of like having like an orchid or a fragile flower like that. If you don't get their humidity just right and you don't get their temperatures just right and you don't get everything just right, they can pass away very easily. So not a chameleon, but a good guess. You guys wanna see it? Not any of those. So this is another type of lizard from Australia, matter of fact. So it's not a leopard gecko, it's not an iguana, it's not a chameleon, it's not a tegu, it's this guy. Hello, look at this guy. <laughs> this is BT, the blue tongue skink. That's right, blue tongue skinks make really decent reptile pets for the right family again not for every last family and they're not toys and they're not for children right not just for children although they're pretty handleable as far as reptiles go i would say the bearded dragon is a little bit less wiggly than this guy um but these guys are almost just as good however they're very very easy in comparison to a bearded dragon or other lizards to care for they're typically very tough they're opportunistic omnivores, similar to a bearded dragon, but it's a lot easier to feed them because they don't necessarily even need live bugs to eat. In fact, this guy doesn't really eat live bugs that much. I've tried to feed him crickets and live worms and typically he's like, eh, I'm too lazy for that. Just give me a bowl of food. So that's easy, right? Also, as far as their lighting, their lighting is a lot easier to, like if you make a mistake, it's not going to be detrimental to this animal. They're, they're not as susceptible to MBD, although they can get metabolic bone disease, MBD, um, but it would take a lot of mistakes to cause this animal to become sick. Um, they're very hardy. They typically don't have like, like all the problems that other lizards can have. Also, they're fairly handleable, as you can see, especially when this age and up, these guys are very easy to handle, very calm. They're not really prone to bite. They might wiggle around a little bit. They're extremely soft and smooth. They have wonderful personalities and they're really fun to watch. And they're super cute, right? They almost look like, like a, a cartoon <laughs> to me. Uh, they're a lot smoother than a bearded dragon too, although that doesn't really matter as far as their, their uh, ability to be a pet, right? Um, so as far as pet reptiles, this is one of my favorites to recommend. And a lot of people don't think of a blue tongue skink, at least nowadays, because bearded dragons and leopard geckos and other ones have become more popular for some reason. These guys used to be available very, very readily, but since they have become less available in the pet trade and more expensive, I think that has become you know less common to see them in the care of humans, which is a shame, but I think it's going to go back up again. So th those things kind of go in waves. Um, sometimes animals become... Uh, less legal to import, which is a good thing, right? Bearded dragons went through that. And now there's plenty of people that breed bearded dragons and the care of humans. So there's no need to import them from Australia anymore. Um, these guys are still imported sometimes from Australia and surrounding islands. This guy is actually an Indonesian blue tongue skink. 
beautiful colors and everything. Um, Indonesia has them too. <laughs> um, and they are still imported sometimes, but they're also becoming less and less um, legal to import from certain areas and things, which is good. We want to make sure and preserve those blue tongue skinks in the wild but they are very, very easy to care for. You can keep them on mulch. You can keep them in like, maybe like a 40 to 50 or 60 gallon enclosure pretty much their whole life, as long as they come out for a little bit of exercise now and then, and they're properly lighted and they have water to drink. It's really hard to go wrong with these guys. Um, they're not as susceptible to like getting their diet wrong because they're extremely hardy as far as what they eat. They're typically, um an opportunistic omnivore or scavenger. So when you talk about scavengers, for example, tegus are scavengers too, and there's lots of examples of scavengers. Um, bearded dragons are a lot less uh, often to be a scavenger, and so they need more fresh foods and things like that. These guys do well on dead mice, dead worms, dead crickets, and also dog food, cat food, bananas, eggs, things like that. So it's really easy to give them a little bowl of food and just feed them like that about three times a week and they do just fine. <laughs> so BT's favorite food is bananas. Um, he really likes dog food. We give him all different types of grain-free dog food that I have. I have all sorts of animals here, so there's a variety of that. Um, also, we do, what else do we do? Eggs, worms, snails. They really like snails. That's their favorite food in the wild. Bananas, all sorts of fruits. So they're really cool and really easy to feed. The, um, the tongue is blue. Let's talk about that. Why is the tongue blue? Is he an aquatic lizard? They're not aquatic. They kind of look like a salamander, don't they? But they're not slimy like a salamander or an amphibian. They're reptiles. So they're just very smooth and, and sleek looking with nice, smooth and wonderful scales that are not slimy or dirty at all. They're very clean. They're actually kind of snake-like, which I love. I love the way snakes look. So he's just beautiful. Um, but they do have that blue tongue for a couple of different reasons. So this type of lizard lives in the Australian continent or Australasia too and surrounding islands too. And when they go about their business in the wild, they pretend to be snakes. <laughs> so this type of lizard would be strictly on the ground. They do not climb at all, which is another easy thing about them. You don't have to provide them with perching or anything to climb. You can give them fun things to do in their habitat and fun decoration, but it's more going to be like burrowing themselves, digging under something. So it's a lot easier, in my opinion, to set up as well. And you can't really go wrong. Um, so these guys, they don't climb. They're going to be on the ground. And when they're in the grass or the sand or the dirt, their legs are very easily hidden. So they look just like a snake. And in Australia, there are several snake species like vipers and other venomous species that are dangerous to most animals. So most animals leave them alone if you look like this kind of snake that he looks like. And he specifically would look like a death adder. That is what most Blue tongue skinks are mimicking is death adders, which is a type of viper and other similar snakes like that. So most animals will leave them alone just fine. But if they get closer and spot that he's a lizard, then they might try to eat him. So that blue tongue mimics the same color as the death adder's tongue. They're a bluish blackish color. Just when he's like, he's all bent around like a ferret. <laughs> when he sticks out his tongue just casually, it kind of looks like a snake's tongue a little bit at first glance. But if they get closer, he can really stick out his tongue. It's really cool looking. They go ah, like that, <laughs> like a rock star. Ah. <laughs> and they stick out their tongue and their tongue is really bright blue. The more they stick it out, ah, it looks really weird. And that big open mouth uh, looks really crazy too. They don't often do it with humans because they're very tame with humans most of the time, as long as they're used to you. 
But out there in the wild, it's a different story. If he saw a hawk, an eagle, a fox, something like that, a natural enemy of his, a dingo, a dog, a cat, something, um, he may stick his tongue out and look really scary. And that bright blue color will signify something dangerous, typically. So blue coloration is one of the most rare Blue and purple are some of the most rare colorations in nature. So if another animal sees a bright, weird color, they're going to think, ooh, that animal might be poisonous. That animal might be dangerous. Something's happening. So that's the idea. They're trying to scare away their enemies. But look at that face. He couldn't be cuter. <laughs> He's actually not dangerous at all. Now, the bigger they get, the bigger their mouth gets. And potentially, they could even bite their enemies. Again, they're not really inclined to bite humans. So don't worry. They're actually pretty sweet. If you do get bit, though, it does hurt quite a bit. <laughs> but they're not really... Um, gonna use that as their first go-to <laughs> to attack you or anything like that. They're actually pretty cool. Um, and what else? They could bite to defend. They don't really have much of a claw to defend. So they don't really scratch. Um, but they'll hide their legs, look like a snake, hiss, open their mouth, show the tongue. And if none of that works, they might bite. And they can also drop their tail. That would be the only, I would say, drawback to this species. Um, the other one I would probably say is a little bit of a drawback is when they're babies, they tend to be a little bit skittish. But they typically go through that phase really quickly and then they become very, very docile and tame. So when you first get one, and it's your first blue tongue skink, if you're considering adopting one, I would consider adopting an older blue tongue skink. It may take a little bit of searching to find you one, and it might be a little more expensive, but trust me, it's worth it if it's your first time reptile or skink in general, um, because you know that they're healthy, they're eating, doing well, they live a long time. These guys can live like into their 20s, so they live a lot longer than the bearded dragons too. Um, and also, as far as I know. And and also, um, these guys, uh, like I said, when they're when they're babies, they kind of go through a little skittish phase. But that's normal because they are, um, you know, afraid. <laughs> Anything that's a baby typically is a little bit more skittish than as an adult. But when they're adults, they're great. And he's not even an adult yet. He's actually pretty young. He's only a few years old. Look at him. He's so cute. So he's like halfway grown. These guys can get about twice as big as this which is also a really cool thing about them. So they're a little bit, I would say longer than a bearded dragon when full grown or adult size, I should say, not really full grown because they never stop growing as a reptile. Um, but as far as a bearded dragon, they don't get as long as the blue tongue skink, but they're still a comparable size. So they're a very manageable size. They're not tegu sized or iguana or monitor lizard size. That's another very manageable thing about them is you can keep them in a 40, 50, 60, 100 gallon tank if you want to, but no bigger than that is necessary, right? So they're very manageable for most people. So I highly recommend them. I think they're very easy to care for. You still want to have your veterinarian on hand just in case and you want to do your wellness exams. Um, but I have rarely, 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 knock on wood, everybody knock on wood, ever had a sick blue tongue skink. Bearded dragons, unfortunately, get sick quite often. And, or they can, <laughs> because, you know, we rescue them and things like that. So a lot of times that does happen. Um, also chameleons. Chameleons are the number one reptile that I have had to bring to the vet in all of my career chameleons. Don't get a chameleon. Iguanas um, are pretty hardy, but they're just not um, appropriate pets for most people. Uh, monitors as well. Monitors, tegus, iguanas, all those are more advanced. Blue tongue skinks, bearded dragons, and I would say leopard geckos are pretty decent pets for the right family, doing your research, doing them right, making sure to take the best care of them. Um, if you can go up to 100 gallons and give them a huge home with lots of stuff to do in it, great, as long as they have the right lighting and heat. Again, it's really hard to do these guys wrong. Um, they are very hardy. They hardly get sick. I highly recommend 
<laughs> would buy again <laughs> uh, if I were giving a rating it's a 10 out of 10 no, <laughs> for this lizard they are fantastic it looks like a snake yeah uh, the another thing about these guys is it's hard to tell the gender on these guys so we are guessing boy but we don't know sometimes they call it a girl I don't think he cares <laughs> BT is a pretty um, gender fluid name <laughs> BT stands for blue tongue it also stands for one of the the musical artists that I like as well um, so, <laughs> uh, they, it's hard to tell the gender. So if that bothers you, you know, maybe a blue tongue skink isn't for you. Um, even breeders and experts have a hard time telling the difference as far as I've heard. Um, they're not really dimorphic in any way. <laughs> Let me see. Kids love him. Did you mean the skink or the bearded dragon or both? <laughs> so shiny. Why is he so shiny? So they're mimicking the snakes. So they look very snake-like, right? That is what they're trying to do. They're trying to look like those, those vipers that are also very slick and smooth. Um, not every viper, not every snake is smooth, right? Some are, some are rough, like rattlesnakes and things and some other vipers. Um, but these guys look very snake-like traditionally. So that is the idea. They're supposed to look like a snake. Just making sure all your comments and things. Thank you so much for commenting and leaving your question. That is so lovely. Are they native to a particular region of Australia? Good question. So the skink, the blue tongue skink lizard and other skink species. In fact, we even have skinks in the United States. They're just much smaller than this. Um, most skinks that you will find in the United States are very small and they will be hiding underneath the leaves, underneath the uh, grass on the ground and you might have seen them before and not knew that it was a skink species but they're all over the place including all over the world um but the blue tongue skink is one of the largest they're the second largest type of skink and there are different subspecies of the blue tongue skink all over australasia so there's some in the islands surrounding australia like around around the edges of australia north and around them around it, um, and also throughout the Australian mainland. And they're pretty much everywhere. They're very common. Certain subspecies are doing uh, very well and certain subspecies are becoming less um, numerous. So that's why there's now limitations on what they can import and the laws surrounding all of that, which I think is a good thing. It's always better to have a captive bred animal anyway, <laughs> if you are adopting one or adopt one that needs a home, right? We don't wanna be supporting the importation of those reptiles if we can avoid it especially when they're becoming more scarce. That's not good. Um, so yes, they're actually quite common as a whole species throughout Australasia, um, but there are many subspecies, like this one's an Indonesian blue tongue skink, and they vary based on where they come from, specifically in Australasia. They not only look like a snake in coloring, but also in length. Yeah, the, the adders and the vipers that they actually mimic and remember, this guy can get bigger. Um, they are around the same length and size and even color, pattern, everything. That is called mimicry, <laughs> right? Many animals will mimic um, other animals in order to scare away their predators and enemies. Pretty cool. Both, yes, excellent. I don't think he wants to stick his tongue out either. So they don't tend to do that unless they're curious about something or if they're scared. <laughs> Look at that. But he did wink at you guys. That's pretty sassy. <laughs> I'll stick my tongue out when I want to. <laughs> he is so cute. I think they are fantastic lizards. They're actually one of my favorites to hold and teach about because there's so much to talk about with these guys and they're wonderful and very gentle, easy to handle. They don't have big claws like an iguana. They don't really bite very often like some other lizards and they're not as wiggly as some other lizards too. I think they're fantastic, aren't they? And they have beautiful reddish brown eyes. How could you not love this beautiful animal? Some people don't like lizards and I don't know why. Why don't they like you? 
Not you guys, right? <laughs> you need a cat to come around and make him nervous to show the tongue. <laughs> of course, we don't want to scare our animals, but I appreciate the joke. <laughs> Love the wink. Me too. All right. How long have I had him? I've had BT since he was a little baby, blue tongue skink. He was actually the runt of the litter that I uh, saw there. He actually came from a breeder and uh, there was a whole bunch of babies from that litter and I picked the tiniest one and I also picked the one with the best personality. So he was the calmest one, he or she, right? He can be whatever he wants to be these days. Uh, BT was uh, the tiniest and the calmest. So I picked that one. <laughs> and BT also, I didn't know this when I first picked him out, He's got a little kink in his tail, which is kind of cute, actually. It doesn't hinder him at all. It's just a little wave in the tail. For whatever reason, sometimes when you get runt animals, they do have little little special things about them like that. But we love them anyway, right? It doesn't hurt them whatsoever. Um, this type of lizard can also lose their tail and regrow their tail, which has never happened. That's actually just the original tail. It's just a little bit wavy. <laughs> but most people don't even notice it because it's very, very subtle. But that's something special about him or her that I noticed <laughs> in the last few years. Um, and also um, this one, let's see, it's been like four years now that we've had BT. It's around three or four years old. Yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. I have to look back on the day that I got you. Maybe it's been three and a half years, something like that, but around that. <laughs> well, I didn't bring any treats today, but next time I will try to bring some food. That would be really cool to see the blue tongue skink lizard eat on the program, wouldn't it? Or maybe I'll take a video for you guys and you can see that. There is, if you guys have TikTok, I know not TikTok's not for everybody, but if you guys have TikTok, there's a really cute TikTok video of BT eating on TikTok. <laughs> so if you want to check that out, you certainly may. And our TikTok link is on our website. <laughs> and we're at Once in a Wild Zoo on TikTok. Okay, BT did a great job of being a great example and animal ambassador. And why I highly recommend blue tongue skink lizards as animal companions, if you're the right family and have done all your research and you really want a pet lizard that's a little bit bigger, but not huge, right? They don't get too big. Um, Not like a monitor, iguana, or tegu. And uh, maybe not as tiny as a leopard gecko or a crested gecko. I think crested geckos and leopard geckos also make pretty good pets. So if I were to pick like five pet lizards for you guys to recommend, let me see. Number one, blue tongue skink. Number two, bearded dragon. Number three, leopard gecko. Number four, crested gecko, I think. What would be number five? Number five, I gotta think about that. Let me think about that and I'll get back to you. So now coming up next is going to be the number one pet reptile that I recommend for the right family, doing their research for the right home. Not for everyone, because this isn't for everyone. If you don't like animals, you shouldn't have a pet. If your whole family isn't on board, you shouldn't have a pet, uh, <laughs> because it's not a toy, it's not an accessory, etc. Now, it's okay if you or one family member is the main caretaker. Everybody knows that I'm the main caretaker around here, and I do have people that help me take care of the animals too, don't get me wrong. Uh, however, you know, growing up and everything, I was usually the one taking care of the animals and that's okay. But also you need someone to help you take care of them. If you're younger or if you go out of town, you need a veterinarian and you need to make sure to do all your research, have the proper housing, uh, feed your animals properly, etc. So what do we think? Number one, what do we think is the fifth pet reptile I'd recommend? A pet uh, lizard I would recommend. And then the other um, guess, I want you guys to guess, is gonna be the number one pet reptile and it's not a lizard. 
and it's not a tortoise <laughs> or a turtle or a crocodile. <laughs> so it's another category of reptiles, my personal favorite. I think they're the easiest. I think they're the best. They're not for everybody. Some people are scared of these animals, but you shouldn't be because they're totally harmless. What do you guys think? Oh, thank you. That's great advice. I'm so glad that you guys like our advice around here. Here at Once in a Wild, of course, we're a mobile zoo. We're passionate about animal conservation. We're passionate about uh, conserving wild animals. And we're passionate about all sorts of things. But we're also passionate about pet care in your home, which is why I typically do these videos. Also, they seem to be very popular. I get a ton of questions from people all the time about how to take care of pets and what pets are, what pet reptiles are the best ones, what pet whatever is the best one, birds mammals, all the things. Uh, how do I take care of my rabbit? So I thought I'd do that one for around Easter time to teach you guys about rabbit care and for people to go back and um, learn about. I did one about bird care as well. Snakes, that's right. Frogs is a good guess, but frogs are amphibians. And I don't really recommend frogs for everybody, but there are a few amphibian species that are pretty decent pets or animal companions for the right human <laughs> or family, right? Um, I would say fire belly toads are one of the easiest pet frogs to take care of. I know they're toads, but they're also a frog-like toad, so I call them frogs. Um, those guys, we have some here at Once in a Wild, and I haven't actually featured them yet on the live stream. Maybe we'll do that next time if you guys want. Um, but those guys are a little bit hard to present because they're not handleable. So the one problem with frogs in general is handleability. And that's another thing I wanted to keep in mind because most people want to at least pick up their pets uh, from time to time and make sure that their kids can at least handle them or at least touch them from time to time. Another thing I want to make sure and teach you guys is always washing your hands after handling any animal. Um, you could get sick from them if you touch all the reptiles and go eat your food and eat the gross things off your fingers and get sick. I don't want to make I don't want to make sure you guys don't get sick. So make sure and wash your hands after handling any animal whatsoever, your dog, your cat, your your fish, your frog, your whatever <laughs> you have at home birds. Chickens are actually more um, likely to give you salmonella than reptiles. Did you know that? Uh, frogs can also give you salmonella. So frogs aren't really handleable. Um, certainly aquatic amphibians like like firebelly toads and also um, axolotls, which we love here at Once in a While, and even Francis, the African bullfrog. Those guys aren't really handleable for most people. Of course, I do handle them to present them sometimes, or I'll have them like under glass to present them, which is a challenge for the live stream being under glass, but I'll figure it out for you guys. Don't you worry. The firebelly toads will be on the live stream sometime soon. Um, however, that's more of like a look at type of pet, which is nothing wrong with that fish are great for that. Beta fish are my favorite fish to keep. Um, uh, what else? Uh, frogs, like I said, all sorts of animals are great for like looking at even chameleons. Not that I recommend chameleons for pets for anybody, but they're more of a look at type of animal. That's my point. Uh, some tarantulas and things like that are like that. Uh, so not really frogs for in general. Also frogs are amphibians and not reptiles. And we're talking about reptiles exclusively today, but you might've missed when I said that earlier. So is a type of snake. What kind of snake do we think Amanda at Once in a Wild recommends for the best pet reptile of all? Now, they're handleable, they're beautiful, they are docile, they always eat, almost always. I guess I can never say always, but I've never had one not eat for me. They are not too big, they're not too small either. They don't need a whole lot of heat or humidity, at least where I live, because I live in a warm climate. They're perfect in every way, shape, or form. Ball python's a great guess. I actually do not recommend ball pythons for your first pet snake. I think some ball pythons make excellent pets. I think that most ball pythons are very handleable. 
and very, very, very sweet and very docile. However, ball pythons have a lot of potential health issues. That is a shame, right? Um, so ball pythons are from a very specific climate in Africa with the right humidity and everything else. Now, they have adapted pretty well to living in a person's home because there's tons of ball pythons that have been bred in the care of humans. The best thing to do to get a ball python is either go to a responsible breeder that can teach you all about their care and you know that they're eating already and you know how to take care of them and how to house them and what humidities and blah, 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 all those things. But if that's not all in order, your ball python can have a slew of medical problems or health issues. They can go off food for months and months. Even if you've done every single thing right, with your ball python, they can still not eat for months sometimes. That's just how ball pythons are. <laughs> so for a first time snake person, that's very, very hard <laughs> to go through and you don't know what to do and et cetera. Um, ball pythons have more health issues than any other pet snake I've ever seen and or snake in general. And um, most snakes don't have very many health issues at all. You, so so for, that, for all those reasons, I don't necessarily recommend ball python. I think they're great for the right person, but they're uh, not my favorite to recommend and not my favorite in general because of all their potential issues that they can have. They also tend to have humidity issues. They can get ill, they can get upper respiratory things. They can um, not shed properly, etc. This next animal, you're hundred percent right. It's a corn snake. Corn snakes are the number one recommended. Woo, as I throw the lid. <laughs> but she didn't even flinch, which tells you a lot about corn snakes. They're great. This is going to be Harley Quinn, the beautiful ju juvenile sized corn snake. Yes, that's right. Corn snakes, in my opinion, make the best pet reptiles of all. As long as you're comfortable with snakes, as long as you don't mind feeding rodents to your animals, you do not have to feed live rodents to these animals, <laughs> though it can be uh, what we call frozen thawed. So many, many reptile stores and pet stores, even like Petco and PetSmart and all sorts of pet stores, they sell rodents in the freezer and you just thaw them out, totally thaw them. You don't ever feed them cold or frozen to these animals. Um, but once they're thawed, these guys will go to town and eat whatever you hand them. They are fantastic. Also snakes only eat about once a week at this size. Once she gets a lot bigger, because she can get about two or three times the size, which is still not a very big animal, to be honest with you. Corn snakes don't get any larger than six foot and that's a huge corn snake. <laughs> uh, so most of the time they're around five foot, when they're adults and they're not very weighty, they're never very thick and heavy. Um, you can keep them in something 50 gallons and below. I wouldn't recommend going anywhere. Um, well, when they're adult, I wouldn't recommend um, anything below a 20 gallon, but that's still not very big of a habitat, right? And they're super easy to handle. As you can see, she's wonderful. They're extremely soft and touchable. They are gonna be available in many different colors, but this is actually the natural color of a corn snake. She's called an Okatee corn snake, which is a specific coloration that you can find in certain areas. And corn snakes are also from the US. So they don't need a ton of humidity. They need a little bit, they need water to drink and they need uh, some heat, but not much. <laughs> so they're not a tropical species, they're from the US. They can be found in semi-tropical areas like Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, things like that, but they're not from Africa. They're not from a foreign country. So it's a lot easier to get their, their temperatures and parameters correct and for them to do well. They always shed well as long as they're properly cared for. They always eat. 
I'm going to tell you right now, as long as your corn snake is healthy and there's no problems and they're not totally in deep shed right now, they will eat for you, which is really great, especially when you're starting off learning about snakes and how to care for them. They're also extremely docile. They're totally harmless to humans. If you got bit by this animal, you would barely notice it. The two lizards that I recommend, and I still recommend them as potential pets for the right family doing their research. Um, however, a corn snake's bite is far less severe than those two lizards. So these guys are totally harmless to humans. Obviously they're non-venomous. There's nothing to worry about whatsoever. The only issue I would say with a corn snake is you wanna make sure and have a secure lid because all snakes can escape. And that does happen sometimes. If this snake escapes in your home, she can get into any crevice. However, these guys are not a shy species. They're not a snake that's going to disappear and hide forever. They're probably gonna pop out and say hello at some point <laughs> if they happen to escape. So you'll likely find them pretty quickly. And there are tips and tricks on the internet and all sorts of research. And let me know if you need help to find a lost snake in your home. Don't let it happen in the first place. You wanna make sure and have locks and everything on your lids or weights on your lids, something. Um, but that I would say is the only, I would say like warning I will give you guys about a corn snake. Otherwise they're virtually perfect in my eyes. Um, if you're not comfortable with snakes, you're not comfortable feeding snakes rodents, then that's also a challenge in your particular household, but you probably shouldn't have a pet reptile at that point because even pet lizards, you're probably gonna have to feed them you know, some sort of live animal, unless it's a Euromastix or some other specialized lizard that only eat plants, but that's really rare as far as pet lizards go. What do you guys think? Uh, your grandma says she would run away if she saw the snake. So that's a great point to bring up. I know not, I know snakes are not everybody's cup of tea. Maybe if you got to know them in person, you would learn to love them because they certainly are my favorite animals. And I promise you they're totally harmless. Uh, most snakes are, but uh, uh, I do understand that if somebody in your household is not comfortable with snakes, you don't necessarily want to bring a snake home because that's not fair to the other member of your family, right? To be uncomfortable in their own home. So you always want to ask permission. You always want to make sure it's the right choice for your family maybe wait till you grow up and you have your own home and you're a responsible adult. Um, but other than that, I mean, that's, that's, those are the two main challenges is being comfortable with snakes and feeding them and a potential escapes, right? So that's something we always want to make sure with any animal, but snakes are particularly kind of, um, escape artists, aren't they? They don't have any hands. So it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty impressive, but they can, you know, push up a lid believe it or not, and slither right out and be gone in your house somewhere. So that would be kind of, you know, a, a challenge, <laughs> of course. Why is it called a corn snake? That's a great question. So corn snakes are also known as the red rat snake. They're in the rat snake family. There are many different types of rat snakes. And other, also actually other ones that I recommend the same as a corn snake for the best pet reptile of all time. Um, the Baird's rat snakes are another really similar species and we have two of those as well. And there's some other ones too, but the corn snake I recommend over all others because they're available to most people if you want one. They're pretty easy to find a nice healthy specimen um, that's bred on the care of humans, etc. There's also many, many different colors that you can find and neat ones. Um, they're also one of the calmer um, of all the rat snakes, but they're also known as the red rat snake for obvious reason. They are red <laughs> on the top part of their body and most of their body, but on their belly, they're actually black and white and have a corn-like pattern. So somebody who discovered them and got to name them, I don't know who it was, they decided that this looked like corn, their belly, right? To me, it kind of looks like a checkerboard or a chessboard, but I didn't get to name them. The red rat snake is actually probably a better name. <laughs> corn snake is kind of goofy. Uh, they don't eat corn and they don't really hang out in cornfields. I'm sure, I guess they could, <laughs> but they are, their belly looks like corn. That's the reason, not, not anything else. 
That is why the belly is so cool. Thank you. She's a beauty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How long does it take to thaw a rodent? The best and safest way to thaw a rodent or any meat item is in your refrigerator. So you take them out of the freezer. I typically thaw them in the refrigerator one to two days and they're good to go. And then you want to set them out in room temperature so that they warm up. Um, another way to thaw your rodents is what we call quick thawing. That does occur sometimes around here when we're in a rush. Um, however, quick thawing um, is not ideal because you can lose some of the nutrients and also um, there's more potential bacteria growth and things like that. However, snakes are very hardy animals and they can usually handle that just fine. But what we recommend is when you have your rodents in the freezer, you remove them, put them in the fridge. You can put them in a little baggie or a container of some kind, a little Tupperware or whatever you want. Uh, put them in the bottom drawer of your fridge or wherever you keep your meats wherever you'd like to keep them. Uh, that's where we do. And, uh, or on the bottom shelf or wherever you want. And uh, a couple days at the very, very most, depending on the size of rodent that you're thawing out. For this animal, she eats pretty small mice at this age, right? Um, she would eat no bigger than around this size of mice, which is another benefit of having this kind of snake is they're not picky eaters. They'll eat whatever rodents you give them or really anything. And um, also their food is never going to get super large. So it's very inexpensive to feed them as well. Um, they only eat about once a week. Can't beat that, right? With a pet. And they only poop about once a week too. The bearded dragon and the blue tongue skink, they eat a lot more than that. And they poop a lot more than that. But that's just how lizards are. Uh, snakes eat far less often. Once she's an adult, she'll probably eat every other week. So that's even better. But once a week is fine for a corn snake. Um, but that's what I usually do is thaw them out for one to two days. And then I go feel them, feel the little thawed out rodent. And then you want to set them out uh, in room temperature for like an hour to make sure they're nice and warm. And you don't want to feed them cold, okay? <laughs> see why, see, this is why this is perfect. I don't like reptiles, lizards, um, that the whole family of animals reptiles in general, right? But I like looking at them from a distance because they are beautiful creatures. Thank you so much for doing these. You are welcome. That's part of the reason why we do this. We love to educate everybody about animals you might be a little bit nervous about, right? And it's a great and safe way and hopefully comfortable way for you to maybe face a little bit of your fears or at least um, have a more comfortable experience, right? Meeting them in person is always fun too. Looks like a game of Tetris. We should call her the Tetris snake. That's a great word <laughs> or a great uh, uh, comment. I love that. You thought that they were in cornfield. Not to say that they couldn't be in cornfield. I'm sure that occurs because there's definitely sometimes rodents in cornfields and things, of course. But that is not the reason. Their belly looks like corn. All right. So that is my recommendation for three options for pet reptiles if you guys are ever interested. If you guys are ever interested in any type of exotic pet, please reach out to me or your... Um, Maybe you have another animal expert in your life. Um, please ask them. Make sure they have experience with those animals or can at least reach out to somebody else that has experience. I don't know everything, you guys, but guess what? I know a lot of people. <laughs> I have a big network of my peers that are zookeepers, animal trainers, reptile keepers, reptile breeders, all sorts of people. I make friends with everybody that I can get information from because it's really smart to do that, right? And I appreciate anybody's company and friendship that has things in common with me. So I have a huge network of people. If I don't know, I will find out for you and get you the best answer that I possibly can or connect you with somebody else that may know better than me. So if you ever have interest in anything like that at all, reptiles, exotic mammals, exotic birds, anything at all you need advice, let me know. That's what I'm here for for you guys. And I never charge for that sort of thing. I would rather help you take the best care of your animals that I possibly can 
And uh, watching these live streams is one way that you can learn, but also going to the rest of our content, checking us out on our website, et cetera, sharing our information with other people that are maybe thinking about these things. That helps the animals and that helps us as well. But mostly the animals, that's what we're, we're trying to do. That's what our passion is. That's why this matters to me is we're helping the animal. That's what matters, okay? So I'm glad you love the show. It has been a pleasure being on here. We hope to see you next week, same time, same place, once in a wild Wednesday, every single Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. If you enjoyed the show and you want to donate to our little zoo and help Harley Quinn, Eddie, and BT, and the rest of the animals, right? You can donate to the options down below. You can also go to our website and donate, like I said before. Um, all the links are down below for you, though, if you have a specific way you'd like to donate, including Amazon, Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. And you can also book your own animal encounter, whether it be virtual or in person. Uh, please make sure to book as soon as you can, because we are filling up our calendar all the time, which is fantastic. But let me know how we can help. And that helps us out as well. So we would love to see you next week. And uh, I guess we'll say goodbye if I can get you the button. <laughs> okay, you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Well, I did it again. I did the same thing last week. Uh, I guess we're starting over. Just kidding. Uh, so I'll see you guys next week. We are not